outages across the region. Fox 26 reporter Ivory Hecker is live in Montgomery County to take a look at that aspect. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being to, subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's that, for those of you who don't know, is Ivory Hecker, a former Fox reporter and my former co-worker. But before we get to that, let's slow down a bit. Allow me to introduce myself. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode one of the Eli Aso Show. We're going to get to the whole Ivory Saga, but before we do that, I want you to understand how I got here. See, I was never supposed to be in TV news. I remember when I was 18, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I think it's amazing we expect kids, that's probably the most important decision of your life, and we expect kids to make that. At 17, 18 years old, what, what is it they say that your brain's not fully developed until you're 25, but we want you to decide what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life as a teenager. That's why every time I meet a kid who says he wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like, really, that's what you want to be? Usually it's some Indian or Asian kid with like tough parents. Like, who wants you to be a doctor? You don't want to be a doctor. Who wants to go to the, like, a courtroom every day with some lousy suit? Be a lawyer. Nobody wants to do that. It's amazing there aren't more cowboys and princesses. I mean, they make us, literally, I was a chimp at 18 years old. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I loved comedy, though. I loved making people laugh. I loved humor. But I didn't want to be a stand-up comic. Most people, that's the route you want to do. You want to be a comedian, but I didn't want to be that. That was the one thing I was passionate about. And I'm like, okay, how do I make money? Humor. But there were people who weren't stand-up comedians who made a living off of being funny. I'm talking about like the Howard Stearns and the David Letterman's, uh, even like Will Ferrell. These people aren't your traditional stand-up comedian, but they make money being funny. And around this time, one of the shows I was really influenced by was The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I don't think this guy gets uh, enough flowers. Like we, He inspired an entire generation, and it was the perfect thing for me. Because he was funny, and I think once you go off to college, you start, you know, you, you learn more. You start thinking about the world, how it runs. You maybe get a little bit political, and he was all of that. He made you sit up and pay attention. So it was smart, It was, but it was still comedy. And, I mean, don't. it wasn't just me. Look, at, here are just a few of the names. They either got their start 
or worked on The Daily Show. Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Samantha B, Hassan Minaj, Steve Carroll. This is what I'm saying. This guy, like he inspired an entire generation. Most people don't even know that John Stewart was not the first host of The Daily Show. I think it was Craig Kilborn. And then he did two seasons and then John Stewart took off and God bless Trevor Noah. I know the show is still going on now. Maybe it's not as big as it. It certainly doesn't have the impact it once had. Maybe that's because there are so many. Again, John Stewart created a whole new genre of political comedy. And maybe that's why. But nobody has done it as good as John Stewart did it. It was just the perfect fit for him. And at least for me, it felt like he was writing some wrongs, if that made it, makes any sense. Like he was getting back at the, cause when you watch regular news and they tell you what some politician did or something, they tell you what screwed up. They just move on. They just tell you the lousy story and then move on. John Stewart would call you out on your bullshit and to make fun of you for it. And these were, these were the elites. These were politicians, untouchables. He's talking about the president of the United States. And that's why I think it resonated. He was great. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was really loved the daily show. And I was like, okay, I know how to be funny. I'm not saying I was as funny as John, for all you comedy police out there, I'm not saying I was as funny as John Stewart at 18 years old, but I at least knew how to make people laugh. I would make my buddies laugh and everything, but I didn't know political side. I didn't know how our government works. And it's amazing. A lot of people that I worked with in the news business don't know much about politics. They don't know how a bill becomes law. They don't know it needs to pass the Senate and the House before it. But like the, so I decided to take some uh, political science classes and some journalism classes and at least learn that side of it. Because if I wanted to be Jon Stewart, hey, he's sitting up there and he knows all this stuff. Little did I fucking know. He has a team of producers and fact checkers and all that. But I didn't know this at the time. You know, I'm a kid. I do that. I earn my degree in broadcast journalism. And it's time to become John Stewart, right? Well, it's not like Hollywood puts up a now hiring sign or something like that. Especially if you don't come from a show business family, you kind of don't know what the hell to do, really. That's why I'm always surprised when I hear someone from like the middle of nowhere makes it in showbiz. I'm like, wow, that someone that was working their ass off. Whereas like uh, Adam Levine, the lead singer for Maroon 5, he comes from like a show business background. No wonder he made it. You know, I just think it's more challenging when you don't have like a parent that grew up in showbiz or something like that. And so I'm, I'm out of college and, you know, you become an adult. You start having bills to pay and all this stuff. And I didn't know what to do. So I had a degree in journalism. I go, okay. In the meantime, while I'm figuring this all out, why don't I get a job in news at least? The deal I made with myself was before you get in the clown car, learn how to drive. 
And looking back, it was a, it was a good decision because you do learn how to, I learned how to make TV at least. I was on set of a daily production and you do like the amount of output a single news station puts out is amazing. So I did learn a lot. You're putting out a lot of shows every day. You're meeting a deadline. So yeah, it was, it was a good learning experience for me. I figured I would get a job in TV news, but I didn't want to be on the air because I didn't want to be known as the news guy. I wanted to be on camera in comedy, but I didn't want to fall into that trap in TV news. So I figured the next best thing was be a producer, be behind the scenes and become a news producer. So I start sending out applications. My first job was with a local Fox affiliate in Indianapolis. Um, this was Fox 59. And for those of you who don't know, an affiliate is a local station who sells their broadcasting rights to one of the networks. So whatever city you're in, Fox 1, 5, whatever it is, a lot of times that's not owned by Fox. A lot of times it'll be owned by uh, another like Sinclair, Nexstar. There's a lot of media companies that own a lot of these local stations and then just sell their rights to networks in like a partnership deal. Now, remember that for whenever we get to the Ivory story. I walked in there like this wide-eyed kid, didn't know anything, and you learn a lot. Uh, you have to learn fast. I spent two years in Indianapolis. There's like this unwritten rule in TV news, especially, where you don't want to spend more than two years in a particular market. I think the rule comes from most producer contracts are two years. And I think that's where it started from. But you certainly don't want to do that. You want to like work your way up, start in a small market and then work your way up, but don't spend more than two years somewhere, especially if you're from that city. It's fine to be stagnant and stay there longer. I remember in Indianapolis, we had this, when you walked into the building, we had this huge monitor on the wall and it showed uh, headshots of everyone who worked there. And it was sort of this slideshow, right? And one of the reporters there was this guy in like his, I'm going to say late forties, early fifties, something like that. He was just this older guy, you know? And when you looked at his headshot, the guy looked as young as me. And this was the exact same picture he used for like his Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram and everything. And I go, that's my fucking nightmare. If I get stuck here and my headshot is me in my 20s and I'm an old man like that, I did not want to do that. So it's funny. I spent literally almost probably to the day, two years there. And I start wanting to, you know, I'm getting close to that two year mark. I start applying at new places to work. I was from Chicago. So again, the way it works is you want to go, you don't want to go down. So I think Indianapolis was market 25 when I worked there. And looking back, that's actually a pretty good first job out of college for a kid. You want to start in the smallest market possible. You don't want to make your mistakes in a big city. So you want to make those mistakes 
in a smaller market and then work your way up. So I started off at 25 though. You know, like I said, that's a good job. So I start looking at all the cities under market 25. I'm born and raised in Chicago. The way it works is it's New York one, LA two, Chicago is three. I applied at WGN and a lot of these places in Chicago, but didn't get any callbacks or anything like that. So I keep looking down in the cities in the top 10 and my brother just accepted a new job in the Dallas, Texas area. And so it goes again, New York, LA, Chicago, and then four is Dallas and seven is Houston. So I go, fuck it. I've got a brother in Texas. He was telling me how much he loved it. Let me apply to Dallas and let me apply to Houston. Because again, you want to go into larger cities. You don't want to go the other way. So if I went to, you know, some, you know, you're at market 25, it's everything under 25. So I applied to Dallas and Houston and I get some calls from the Fox station in Houston. And they recruited me hard, man. I went through a series of interviews, talked to everyone, the news director, assistant news director, all the executive producers. They put me through some writing tests and stuff, and they just recruited me super hard. And that makes you feel good, you know, when someone wants you really bad. And they were offering me a really good raise, so it was much more money. The benefits were really good. And so I was like, fuck it. I never thought I would live in Texas, but might as well take it. It was almost an offer I couldn't refuse. So I accepted that position, moved down to Houston. And it's funny because I was one, it was a little bit of me. There was a little bit of nerves when I was accepting this position. I was like, wow, I'm going from market 20. I'm going from the Indianapolis to Houston. Houston is the fourth largest city in the country. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I'm ready. And looking back, it's actually harder in this smaller city than it is in the bigger city. I think it's because you have less resources. They expected more of me in Indianapolis than they did in Houston. And we had way more tools in Houston than we did in Indianapolis. So I was really ready for Houston. Again, my job in Indianapolis was harder. So I'm working there at Fox 26. And then we get to now this is where we get to Ivory. (laughs) So let's watch this again. Outages across the region. Fox 26 reporter Ivory Hecker is live in Montgomery County to take a look at that aspect. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's doing to AC units. This one broken down as we... (laughs) By the way, that's what you call a slow news day, folks. Breaking news. We're in Texas. It's summer and it's hot. (laughs) I love that she just goes back to her story. 
this is that's a live shot, by the way. So that's not something you know that nobody knew she was going to do that. They tossed to her thinking she was going to do her story on the weather. And she goes rogue for the first 40 seconds in the last five. She's like, oh, yeah. And as you can see, they're working on the air conditioners because it's hot in Texas. (laughs) Okay, so. Ivory, I love she goes, I teamed up with a nonprofit, Project Veritas. Boy, that's I guess that's like saying. You teamed up with Harvey Weinstein, the greatest film producer of all time. I mean, technically, I guess you're not wrong. I knew where this was going right when she said that, because there were some people in our newsroom who didn't even know who Project Veritas was. If you don't know Project Veritas, they are this, I guess you can call them a news group, who's made it their mission to expose the corporate liberal media. Usually what it is, is it's someone with a hidden camera going undercover and talking to someone who works within an organization. What put them on the map, and it's probably their biggest video, was one they did with Planned Parenthood. And I have to admit, it was fucking weird, man. To this day, to me, it was weird. But these two people go undercover and they're talking to one of the top executives at Planned Parenthood. And she's going on about what they do with the aborted fetuses and how they sell them. It was just fucking weird, man. And for Planned Parenthood says what was edited out of that video is the executive talking about how, yeah, we sell them, but we only make back the costs for the services at Planned Parenthood. We don't profit off of like, because she was, you have to watch it. It's just weird. At the very least, even if we go with what Planned Parenthood was saying, it was still weird. I think some of it was, you know, how some people get numb to their line of work. It seemed like a little bit of that was going on. Like the police officer gets numb to, you know, dead bodies or I don't know. It was just weird. And I could see why people were pissed off about it. I mean, no, didn't matter what you, you know, some people look at that like she's talking about dead babies, you know, and no matter what you think about an abortion, it was just weird. So that's what put them on the map. And since then, they've had a lot of misses. But from my understanding, what Ivory wanted to do was she wanted to talk about hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for the coronavirus. Now, hydroxychloroquine is not approved by the FDA as a treatment for COVID-19, but she found a doctor. He was a Houston area doctor, and I've actually looked up this guy. He's really credentialed. The guy's legit. And she was talking to him, and he was saying, yeah, I do use hydroxychloroquine for uh, severely ill patients. From what I gather, though, what he was saying was, listen, if someone is in my hospital and they're dying, he has like this cocktail of a series of different drugs that he gives them in hopes of keeping them alive. And to be honest, if my mother or my father is about to die in the hospital, I throw the kitchen sink at it. 
like if 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 they're going to die, just give them whatever you can. To, I, I don't care. Just keep them alive. And she wanted to go on the air with that. But this is the news. It's like the FDA says nine out of 10 dentists recommend flossing. And Ivory found the 10th guy and wants to put him on the news. It's reckless. It's not something a news outlet wants to do. Now, remember how I told you Fox 59 was an affiliate station? Well, Fox 26 in Houston, where Ivory and I worked, is not an affiliate station. Fox 26 is one of the few Fox-owned and operated stations in the country. And I guess the way Fox Corp sees it is they want to keep their hands directly on some of the biggest cities and markets in the country. So I think I'm right on this, but I, I don't quote me on it. I could be wrong, but I think Houston is the smallest owned and operated station in the country. So that's the fourth largest city in the country. I think they have Chicago, New York, stuff like that. But that is a fo- that is owned by the same people that put on Fox News. Now, let me be clear. They look at their news division as that. They look at they don't look at what comes on late at night on Fox News like Hannity, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, they do not view those as news. Fox does not. They view that more as entertainment. That that's what that is. It's it's a entertainment, it's a personality show. They do not view that as the same as what Chris Wallace was or Brett Baer. Those are news people on their station. But you turn on Fox News uh, any day during the pandemic and you could see Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram talking about ivermectin. So if there was any station that was going to let a reporter talk about ivermectin as a treatment for COVID, it would be Fox News. They're already doing it. So how, what do you mean they're muzzling you, but they're already letting their other personalities do it? It's just that they view it, they don't want it to become, they don't want their local news stations to become what Fox News is at night. You know when you go to Fox News what you're getting. You know when you go to MSNBC, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting when you go to CNN. Fox and CBS and every other network does not want their network news to become that. And I think most people don't want that. Just tell me the news. Don't give me your fucking hot take. And that's what Ivory is doing now. She's giving hot takes. Here is a statement, by the way, from that very same doctor. You can look this up yourself. Again, the guy is is very credentialed. He's done a lot of interviews. But here's a statement to him. Quote, does this by itself make a difference in survival? This, the bottom line, is I don't know, said Dr. Verone. So that's him out of his own mouth saying, I don't know if this works. I'm just trying to keep people alive. And I I can appreciate that. But that's not muzzling someone. Ivory said, quote, there's a carefully crafted narrative within the media, especially talking about her station. 
I got to tell you, I've never had anyone, our news director, an executive producer, anyone tell me about a narrative or change a story to make it more liberal or more conservative. I've never, you know how hard that would be a carefully crafted narrative. You know how many people you would have to corrupt from the top down. Listen to me. I told you guys, I didn't want to be in news. I'm a clown. I'm the biggest fucking idiot in the world. But I had a lot of control in what was going to be on the news. More control than I thought a kid like me should have. I could literally, there was days I could literally put anything I wanted on the news and it would have made it. But Project Veritas, they can't make the news that they want. And here's what I mean by that. What they're doing is not news. Here's what Project Veritas does. They got caught trying to set up the Washington Post with a false Roy Moore accuser. Now, if you guys don't remember, this was a few years ago when Roy Moore was a guy from Alabama who was running for the U.S. Senate. And there was some weird accusations that came up about rape and just a whole bunch of weird stuff. And it was too much for anyone to handle. Even if it was just an accusation, I don't know if they ever proved anything, but he just the accusations were weird. And he was running as a Republican and the Democrat ended up winning that seat. That's how weirded out voters were by the, the accusations against this guy. But here's what Project Veritas was going to do. They had this woman who went undercover and she was going to uh, accuse him of rape. And then when the Washington Post reported it, they were going to say, see, Anyone could accuse someone of rape and the news will just put it on. Well, good for the Washington Post. They put a seasoned good reporter on it. She did her due diligence and she caught this lady trying to set them up. What sucked for her is she thought she had a front page Roy Moore accuser story and she ended up getting a eighth page behind the sports section story about how Project Veritas tried setting the post up. So that's what Project Veritas does. And you can't do that. That's not news. And a lot of times it's like a chick going undercover and going on a date with some guy and (laughs) a pretty girl's going to get some dumb dude to say whatever they want, especially if the chick seems interested in like your job and your line of work. They start asking questions and you just want to say shit to impress them. So they'll take that video and like cut it up and paint the picture they want. But that's not news. I know they want even if even if what they believe is true, a lot of their stuff is like exposing the media for being liberal and exposing the media for being woke. But that's not how you do it, even if it's true. Even if I I do believe the majority of media is liberal, I do. I believe with both of those things, I believe they're woke, but you can't do it that way. That's not how you do it. And so that's my biggest beef with Project Veritas. But that is not the news. 
you doing that, even if even if they would have succeeded and they would have said, see, anyone could accuse. That's not that's not the news. You're making the news you want. And that's what happens with a lot of these any organizations that like, like what's that? What's that Batman quote? Uh, not catch me outside. Um, no, the you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Well, even if Project Veritas, maybe Project Veritas believes in what they're saying, but you can't do fancy edits and jump cuts and stuff like that to produce a narrative that you want. And that's what you came in to stop. You started doing what you did because the media is liberal and it's woke and there's a carefully crafted narrative. Well, you're doing that with all your edits and jump cuts and stuff like that. You're just as bad as they are. Who has a narrative? Them or you? Because it seems like you do. You're coming in with a carefully crafted narrative. And by the way, let me be clear. Me and Ivory were not friends. If she's watching this or listening to this, Ivory, I'd love to have you on. Or maybe I'd come on your show and we talk about it. But yeah, I worked on the morning show and I think she did evenings, I want to say. So yeah, we, we, we weren't friends or anything like that. Some of you or even her, she may be saying, well, just because they didn't try to corrupt you doesn't mean they didn't try to corrupt her. Yeah, it would just be weird to do that, though. So for those of you who don't know, everything in a show on new in TV news has been written by either a producer or an associate producer. They, they did that. A reporter gets one story a day. A producer can do dozens in a single day. If there was a carefully crafted narrative, you wouldn't go through a reporter to do that. You would have to, you would have to corrupt the producers. You would just have to. There would be no way to, to just, why would you do that? It makes no sense. Okay. So now that I've defended the TV news business, let me shit on them a little bit because just because Ivory I think is wrong doesn't mean that there are not a lot of problems with media in general today. I think the biggest problem for traditional and legacy media today is they are trying to play catch up. And what I mean by that is first, the Internet really screwed up their business model and almost made what they do not profitable. Some of them didn't even want to adjust at the time. Some were like, no, we're not even going online. We're going to continue doing just newspapers. And boy, did they like some of those don't exist anymore. A lot of them were bleeding so long. They're like almost went bankrupt. And so some of them adjusted. They created like a subscription model online or started taking ads online. Of course, that's what you do when the landscape changes. You don't fucking sit in your ways. You adjust. You try and keep up and try and survive. But what's really screwing them probably as much as the Internet is social media. And they call them uh, citizen journalists. Nowadays, 
someone can post a video, like let's use the Uvalde school shooting as an example. You used to have to get a reporter on the ground, have them drive to the school, have them talk to the parents. Well, nowadays, a parent will be in front of the school shooting a video on their phone and telling you how they feel on their social media. You no longer need the reporter. You can get straight to people. And so that, I think, has hurt news a lot because now you don't have time to vet a story because the longer you take, the slower you're going to be and people are just going to go somewhere else and get it. Nobody's going to care about imagine everyone's looking on Twitter and Instagram and seeing the Uvalde school shooting and the local news station just waits until their 6 p.m. evening newscast that day. Well, we've already seen all of this. And so that's really hurting the traditional and legacy news model. Another problem I see is I call it the press release problem. Let's use the George Floyd case as an example to show you what I mean by the press release problem. News organizations develop relationships with all of the people and groups that they cover. So, for example, the like Fox News has a relationship with the White House. The White House has a press department, and that press department works with the news media to get stories out. Now, those press departments that work for organizations, it's not their job to tell you the truth. It's their job. They're hired to make their bosses look good. And so like the White House press secretary isn't there to shit on the president. She works for the president. She's there to make him look good. But sometimes it's kind of a tricky relationship. And so, again, we'll go back to the George Floyd example. So let's say the local news station in Minneapolis, a reporter gets a tip that someone has been killed while in police custody. That tip, that, that's not enough to go on the air with that. You can't create a story off of that. Or let's say they didn't even get a tip. Let's say there's, there's, some, there's a department in news stations where it's their job to sit there and listen to the police scanners. Maybe someone heard on the scanner that someone was killed while in police custody. Still not enough to go on the air with it. No station would take scanner traffic and go on the air with it. So now you have this good story, you have this tip, or you have this thing that you heard on the police scanner. And, okay, but now you need a narrative. You need something to give to the audience, to your viewers. The only thing and what most stations are going to do is just reach out to that police department reach out to their press person. They're called public information officers. Reach out to them and say, hey, we heard about this. You have a statement. And the public information officer could get back to them with something like this. On so-and-so day, a man was caught trying to use a counterfeit bill and he was apprehended by police 
and was resisting arrest. And while they were trying to subdue him, he had a medical condition and died. The cause of death is under investigation. Now, that's not wrong, but it's much different than what we saw in that 12-minute video or however long it was. That's something that they would go on the air with. Here's another example of something like the press release problem happening. Recently, Business Insider broke a story about how Elon Musk paid off one of his flight attendants, $200,000 or something for some sexual misconduct allegations. Anyway, that was a Business Insider story. Well, that day, that story was everywhere. It was on every website. It was on every TV news station. And some of them maybe put something in like, this is reporting from Business Insider, or that's according to Business Insider. And they look at that as their way to protect themselves. And even in that George Floyd example, they would say, this is according to the Minneapolis police. But the viewer at home doesn't see that and say, oh, okay. No, they see that as, as, as the Elon Musk story is everywhere. It's got to be true, right? Because it's everywhere. But And this isn't me trying to defend Elon Musk or not. I don't know what the hell he did. But I'm just saying this is how, have you ever wondered how a lot of news stories look the same? There seems to be a narrative, right? Have you ever wondered how that happens? Each news network, Fox, CNN, CBS, all of these news networks have a database. And this database has news stories. It's updated every day. There's literally people that it's their job to, to, to work on that all day. It's their job to upload news stories from around the country that can be used by local affiliates or local stations that day. It could be literally anything that is sports. It could be politics. Anything that's considered news is uploaded. Dozens of these stories every day on these databases. Now, if you're a news producer, you can literally copy and paste every story. I've seen producers, quote unquote, produce a show that they didn't write or create one thing by themselves. Not a thing, not a thing that they create, like they call themselves producers and they're not producing anything. Everything has been created or written by someone else. That's how you get this look of a carefully crafted narrative. It's just lazy ass people not wanting to actually produce the news. I've worked with producers who wouldn't touch a story if it wasn't already written by another outlet. Or another producer at their station. And I've seen where like something breaking happens and they would have to cover it. You don't have a choice. It's breaking news. You have to, and you would just see them start to panic because they don't know how to say it. They don't know how to present this. And it's sad because they're just going through the motions. 
Like I'm someone who who didn't even want to be in news and I'm more passionate about the job than many of the people I've worked with. And you guys know who I'm talking about. We all have people that we work with or we know who just go through the motions every day, who just seems like they don't care about being there. That's the one thing I can say about myself is I hate being mediocre. Like I suck at a lot of things, but I want to be great at everything I do. And that's why when I went into TV news, I gave it my all because being mediocre is just the biggest insult to me. But I worked with so many people who were just that, who were just, they were just, it was like a puzzle. They were trying to fit whatever they could into their hour time slot just to survive. They didn't care what it was. And like I said, I think we've all worked with people like that, but there should be a higher barrier of entry for those people in news because they're not journalists. You're literally, you've, you've, you've produced nothing. You've, you have no original thought. I've had discussions with producers or news people who say the news shouldn't be creative. It shouldn't be that. And I'm like, say that to Hunter S. Thompson or Mark Twain. Say that to those people who considered themselves journalists before they came some of the biggest writers and authors of all time. There is a way to present the news in a good way to inform. Like, look at John Stewart. John Stewart came on after Crank Yankers and the Dave Chappelle show. And he became one of the most trusted news sources in America. Why? Why? Because look at what he's competing against. It's funny, man. You, you go on the way. This is something they don't teach you in college, by the way. You go into any TV station in the country and the way they talk about ratings, you would think you're on set of a fucking sitcom. That's how they, that's how much ratings matter. In college, they tell you, oh, money doesn't matter, this and that. You shouldn't get into news from, no. As a, a TV news station or newspaper is there for one reason. They're there to make money. And it's cute to say in college that all that does, doesn't matter. But when you get out into the real world, that's all that matters. And if you're if you're a news person and you're watching this, there's no way you can disagree with me. But I challenge you guys, if you're in news, if you're a journalist, to do better. You guys are barely surviving as it is. As it is. No one my age goes to local news to get their media. Everyone's getting it online. So if you want to survive, it's on you to get viewers to pay attention. It's on you to inform. And one thing I would always say, especially when I was talking to like new producers or associate producers, the audience isn't stupid. Don't ever think the audience is stupid. Don't ever think you can get away with something because they see through your bullshit. They see through your bullshit. And, but, but, but look at what John Stewart did. John Stewart He's gotten young people to sit up and pay attention. So think about that. There is a way to inform. You can tell the news in a fun, informative way. 
we've all had regular college professors who probably don't even remember their name, but one that stuck out to us because they gave great lectures or whatever the reason, but, but they, they, they made an impact on us. Remember what the hell you got into news for? Because there was a lot of people I worked with that I was more passionate than them. And it shouldn't have been that way because I hated working in the news business. So ask yourself, why did you get into this? I'm sure I can think of a lot more problems. We'll leave it at that for now. And Ivory, again, I invite you to come on my show. We'll talk this out or I'll come on yours. Maybe I'm wrong. And you guys can go and look up the Ivory Hecker thing yourself if you want. It made news everywhere. I think Joe Rogan even talked about it. One of my favorite headlines was a website put something like, this is what a Fox reporter gave up her whole career for. Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to put that out tomorrow. So tune into them. But as for this heat wave, I don't know if she if Ivory gave up, if she lost her career as much as she earned a brand new one. Now she is, she's like this right-wing personality, and it got her a lot of fame. She she went on a lot of podcasts, did a whole media tour, I remember. We were, of course, all of us that worked with her were staying tuned and watching it all. And the one thing news people hate is becoming the news like CNN or Fox, they love telling you the news, but they do not want to be the news. That's what's scary, especially the the people way behind the scenes, like the, the news director and the general manager. All those people do not want to become the news. But I have a feeling that Ivory didn't want to be a news reporter anymore. I have a feeling that Ivory is much happier doing what she's doing now than she was when she was reporting the news. And that's okay. That's okay. But you can't act like you're some whistleblower or something like that. You know. Okay, guys. Before we go, I'm going to leave you with this. And this is the advice I would give to my younger self. But it could also work for you or anyone, really. If there's something you want to do and you're not doing it, just do it, man. I spent nearly five years of my life doing something I hated. And I don't come from much, guys. So in many ways, I was a success. The way my mom would light up when she told people what I did. That was one of the reasons it was hard for me to even quit my job. She loved telling people that I did the news. But I was selling myself short. And it's odd because she, my mother, never would. Ma, if you're listening to this, I love you. You've always been my biggest supporter, my biggest fan. 
You tell me I can do, always tell me I can do anything I want to. They wanted to make me producer at Fox 26. Fox News wanted me to move. They offered me a position to move to New York City to become an associate producer. So, again, in many ways, you could call me a success, but I turned both of those positions down. Why? Because this is what I want to do. This. So I shouldn't have wasted those five years. Sure, I learned a lot of how to like make TV, but you should have just done that in comedy. So if anyone's listening to this, maybe you're putting something off. It doesn't even have to be a, a, a career thing, a big you know job move or anything like that. Just if there's a hobby, anything you want to do, just do it. Stop putting it off. Everything in your life, make sure you're doing it with passion. Again, don't be mediocre. That is the biggest insult someone could tell me, that I'm just mediocre. I want to suck or be good. That's what I want. I don't want to be in the middle. And a lot of people get bogged down in the middle. That's where most people are. Make sure you're not there. Okay, guys, thank you for joining me for episode one of the Eli Azo Show. We're going to keep it light here, guys. I'm not John Stewart. Don't expect me to solve the mass shooting problem in America. Don't don't come here for that. We're going to keep it light. A lot of dick jokes, stuff like that. Do me a favor. You can go to my website, theeliazo.com, and subscribe to get notifications on when we launch new episodes. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, and get on all social media platforms. I'm the Eli Azo. Please give me a follow. It'll help support me and this channel and this show. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.